The art of customer service is getting lost. The need for customer service is greater than ever. I don't know if people don't care if it's falling by the wayside, but it's it's no longer the focus of most places. And I think the, the customer service kind of mixed with the knowledge and just being there for the customer. Um, I think all together are things you can't get anywhere else to the fullest extent you can at Midwest Evening Appliance. Midwest TV and Appliance, you get more for your money. That's all there is to it. You got to start somewhere. So start with a base and keep adding and adding and adding, and then you'll see what happens. Right there. Turn this up and say, hey, welcome to our, don't be nervous now, Trong. Nobody knows that you're not wearing, that you're just wearing flip-flops and shorts. Everyone thought you got all dressed up in a suit. The disadvantage, I guess, of Zoom is radio. It didn't matter. I could tell people, hey, you know, pillow hair, you didn't brush your teeth, not a problem. Well, pillow hair is not an issue for you, obviously. Uh, but uh, when you're Zooming, you gotta be, you got to be all in. And thank you very much for being all in our virtual kitchen this morning. How are things up in the cities? You know what? The weather is beautiful up here today. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're expecting a beautiful week. Awesome. I was so excited to hear from uh, – and so – Feel free, by the way, to tell stories about your brother because he's far away and can't actually get back to you until later on. Tan and I have known each other for a number of years, and when I was – I thought for the longest time that you owned a restaurant up in the cities, and then I was corrected. It's not a restaurant. It's a deli in the cities, and I was thrilled that I could maybe convince you to be on Cooley Region Cooks someday. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know what? It is a restaurant and we changed the farm. Uh, we changed the farm's deli to farm's rice bowl because, uh, you know, a lot of folks up here, they're synonymous with deli to sandwiches. And so I had a couple of comments back where a customer would ask, hey, where can I get uh, some nice hot food here? Why don't you? I said, why don't you try farm's deli? I said, no, nah, I don't like that cold stuff. I said, no, no, no. That's so at that uh, point, you know, we said, okay, deli is not synonymous with what we do, so we change it to Fomps Rice Bowl. Obviously, that's important, and it's worked. Absolutely. And so now how many people say, yeah, I don't like rice. What else you got? Where else can I go? <laughs> you know, there's, there's always somebody who will push that envelope. So what kind yes. of things did you change the menu at all when you changed the name? No, no, we, we, we did not change the, the menu. We actually added a few more items to our menu. Awesome. How much of the cooking do you get to do? Well, uh, in the beginning, when we first started the restaurants, <laughs> obviously it's a trial time uh, in terms of both the foot traffic and also with getting the right uh, mix of employees in. And so I was involved in the cooking process uh, probably about 50% of the time. But with time, um, you know, sure. I, I just transfer that into the folks who take care of it in the back. Awesome. Who's the better cook, you or Tan, your brother? Oh, definitely, definitely me. Uh, I think Tan, he's probably the he probably could only how to cook rice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've seen him cook a couple of things because he's been a Cooley Region Cooks guest in the past before. Unless, unless maybe the other advantage to being on uh, on Zoom is that maybe people were feeding him ingredients and stuff <laughs> underneath the camera where we couldn't see him. So I, I guess I, I'm not yeah. sure. And I think my mom, she probably has a big hand oh, in that. 
<laughs> well, there is no way that he could say, I made these egg rolls, everybody, and oh, anyone no would take a Exactly. And nobody would, would say, sorry, your mom made these egg rolls, you big liar. Nobody makes egg rolls better than she does. Yes, uh, Mrs. Farm from, from lacrosse. She's made the best egg roll. And actually, speaking about egg rolls, uh, you know, our, our egg rolls at our restaurant, it's just synonymously uh, great in the Twin Cities. And the base of the ingredient, you know, growing up watching my mom making these egg rolls. And, you know, we, we use that ingredient base and we transform it back up here to our restaurant. It's been going great for the last 15 years. And, 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 and the thing is, when we first started making these egg rolls uh, up in the Twin Cities, you know, obviously we start out with, with ground pork as one of our base, but as we finding out uh, where our restaurant's located in the South Minneapolis area, there's a large uh, Muslim population in the area. Uh -huh. And obviously the Muslim uh, uh, faith, they don't believe in eating pork. Right. And so we switch it over to chicken. And uh, we've been serving our chicken egg rolls for the last 15 years now. It's been going uh, pr pretty well. Really? So you took pork off the menu altogether, and now it's 100% chicken egg rolls? Correct. Correct. Well, the next time I have one of your moms, I will probably uh, backhanded plug you and say, you know, <laughs> you know, these are really good on, but uh, your kid makes egg rolls that are better. Watch her have Absolutely. a bird. Watch her have a yeah. bird. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. when you were growing up, were you also, did you also spend time in the kitchen? Did you learn your skills from your mom and from family members growing up? Absolutely. You know, when we're growing up, we didn't go out and eat much. And so by being at home, uh, you know, we, you know, all of us, we help our mom cook. And so that's, that's where we picked up our skills, our cooking skills from, you know, I'm not saying that I'm the best cook out there, but a lot of the the base Vietnamese ingredients that we know and love these days. Uh, you know, we all learn from our parents, including my, 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 my wife, Katie, you know, she's a phenomenal cook also, and she's growing up watching her mom cook and, and, and her dad's a pretty phenomenal cook too. And so, uh, we both growing up watching both set of our parents cook. And then we learn from there. Is a farm rice bowl, all Vietnamese top to bottom the menu? No, it's a combinations of Vietnamese and Chinese. Um, I would have to say probably, probably about, uh, 55 slash 45 is Chinese and Vietnamese, but really from our standpoint, we don't want to corner ourselves, paint, uh, corner ourselves, uh, with Vietnamese or Chinese. So we're, we're, we're keeping it at more of an Asian fusion type of a cooking. Sure. So sure. that way we're able to create some other uh off asian dish that we can add into it without having to name vietnamese and chinese uh to give you a perfect example one of the uh, item that that i've created and and which is the korean uh, barbecue chicken and and so i've created that recipe just doing either through facebook uh, youtube and then basically over time refine the the ingredient and and the dish and and the sauce itself is basically now it's become my creation and we introduced <laughs> that to our restaurant and it's become very popular. Uh, one of the item on our, uh, on, on our menu is the Korean barbecue chicken. I wonder how, how many people actually ask, this is delicious. Is it Chinese or Vietnamese or Korean? Do they care? 
They don't. Yeah. They just look it up in the menu and they see the menu item right there and they say, I would like to have that. Number two, whatever it happens to be. Do you make absolutely. pho? Oh, absolutely. Do you? Okay. Uh, it's one of our uh, uh, main stable within our restaurant. And, you know, pho it, in, the, uh, in the Vietnamese culture, uh, there's no such thing as breakfast, lunch, or dinner food. Pho, you know, if you oh. wake up at 5 a.m., if the broth, if the pot of uh, pho broth is boiling, you're having pho in the, at 5 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> well, I, I was uh, lucky enough to be able to go to Vietnam with your brother a couple of years ago, and I was absolutely amazed at the number of restaurants who serve only pho. Four or five yes. different versions of one item. You can't get a steak or a chicken or or a burger or anything. You can have a bowl of pho or go across the street to somebody else's restaurant. We serve pho here. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and 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 that's a and that's a beauty of it. It's uh, it, the, the 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 pho is such a stable dish in the Vietnamese cultures that. Anybody and every and anybody and everybody who's living in Vietnam, you know, they can just go out and have a bowl of pho. And there's enough of a following base that you know you don't have to worry about running out. Oh. And yep. And the amazing thing with, with pho is, uh, you know, even in the summer when the steaming pot of pho, when it's 90, 95 degrees and it's steaming hot out, we still have customer coming in and order a bowl of pho, and then. By the time they turn the tray and the bowl back to us, I can see the sweat dripping down their face. <laughs> you know what? This is one of the best. It, it, it is. Oh, yeah. The weather would have nothing to do with my uh, choice of pho. If it's on the menu and I know that the chef who's going to make this bowl of pho and bring it to me knows what they're doing, I'd be all over that. 105 outside, I don't care. You got air conditioning in the restaurant? Oh, absolutely. See, yeah, see. I'm going to have this bowl of pho, and then I'm going to sit and relax, have a little glass of iced tea and cool off a little bit, then go outside to 105 degrees, and everyone will be jealous because I had lunch in your restaurant. You're welcome. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we're pretty proud of our pho. Uh, one of the main ingredients that we use in there, we, we use a lot of the, uh, the the ginger that we added to our pho. And... It, it, it sort of create like a medicinal purposes of our pho too. So when we have customer who's uh, feeling a little bit down, uh, you know, they, 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 they come down, they all order a bowl of pho from us and really it, they sweat it out from the, from the inside. <laughs> and, you know, a day later they come back saying, you know what, this is what cures my, either my <laughs> That's or right. whatever they're, they're carrying. Way better than other medications. And I'm not hungry anymore either. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, and, Yep, and, and you know, I, I tell our, our, our customers, you know, and, and, and you've, you've been in Vietnam, you've seen the size of those uh, for a bowl, right? Yeah. So this is like our, it's it's a soup, it's a meal in a soup. And so our motto within our restaurant is that, you know what, you're coming in here, you're ordering food from us, you're not walking away from hungry. So our restaurant, our you know, we provide the customer service, the value, the quantity, and we want our customer to feel satisfied when they walk away from our restaurant. It's interesting to me, and I learned that in Vietnam, that uh, your they, they bring you the pieces of your meal a little at a time. Here's your bowl and your giant spoon. Now here's a plate of one ingredient. Here's a giant plate of a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth. Now your table is covered with ingredients, and you may put any of those ingredients in this bowl you'd like, and lastly, a giant bowl of broth 
now make it into soup. I, that, I've never been served anything that way before. It was really fun. And, of course, if I've never heard of it, I want it in the bowl. I'm going to try anything and everything. So I was piling in. There isn't room for the broth, Mike. you got to make a little more room in your bowl of ingredients. God, that was so good. Good, good. Well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you had that opportunity to travel to Vietnam with, with Tan. And, um, you know, a, as his company stated, it's a cuisine adventure. And so For sure. really, really from that standpoint, uh, you, get the, you get the adventure of the traveling plus adding that additional food component to your travel. All right. Well, I want to do a little traveling through the Afam rice bowl menu. What's your most popular item? You know, amazingly, you know, how you asked me earlier. You Don't know, tell me it's a burger, a cheeseburger, Mike. Yeah, yeah. No. You know, at one point we did create a second restaurant called um, uh, Prime Burgers and Wings. So it's an Asian fusion burgers and wings. But, you know, sorry, I, I digress. But amazingly, uh, our biggest selling item on the menu is sesame chicken. Really? And yes, yes. Uh the you know the the other day I, I was kind of calculating the tonnage of chickens that we have <laughs> gone through uh, the past sixteen years, and I'm seriously I it, it has been tonnage of chicken that we have gone through, and the sesame chicken, it's it's our biggest selling item on the menu, amazingly. And prior to COVID, when we have groups of students that going through. The Midtown Global Market, if you're familiar with that, is it's in the South Minneapolis. It's an indoor public market. So when we get a group of students coming through the Midtown Global Market, over lunch, we could have 30, 40, 50 deep of students lining up wow. to get our sesame chicken. That's good because so, college students are pretty picky about what they're going to spend their money on. So you must be doing something right. Uh, absolutely. I'm going to ask, would you share that recipe with us? Sure, absolutely. All right, cool. Let me take care of some business. You can gather all the uh, your uh, your ingredients together, and uh, we'll do a little sesame chicken from Tongue's Rice Bowl. Is that it? Tongue's Rice Bowl. No, Farm's Rice Bowl. Oh, Farm. Oh, okay. You don't take personal credit, family credit. <laughs> then you can say, look, Mom, your name, Dad, your name's on the, on the marquee. Farm's Rice Bowl in Minneapolis. Yes. First, you need to start with a, an, an oven that will reach 10,000 degrees Kelvin. Yeah, you know, uh, you don't want to give away all of your ingredient secrets. But let's face it, uh, Trong, anybody that comes to the restaurant is coming there because they don't want to do dishes, not because they're trying to steal your method and go into business across the street. They do that in Vietnam. Change the menu a little bit and then open a restaurant because my brother-in-law owns that place over there and my pho is better. So... Around here, probably not so much. Right. All right. So make me some sesame chicken from uh, from Farm's uh, rice bowl. Right. So first off, uh, with our restaurant, even though it's uh, inside a public uh, indoor public market, and it considered to be a fast food restaurant, but really, I would say ninety five percent of our ingredient is from scratch. So we start out with fresh chicken. Uh, leg meat, and then we cut them into smaller cube. And then from there, you know, we batter and deep fry the chicken. And so we set that uh, batter deep fried chicken aside. And then we start out with the sauce. So we the sauce, certainly it has that savory, sweet uh, sesame chicken taste to it. 
So certainly, there's definitely a, an abundant amount of sugar that goes into it that ah. gives the sweetness to it. And of course, we use uh, two different types of soy sauce, actually three. Uh, one is a dark soy sauce to give that rich look uh, to it. And then of course, the cucumber soy sauce and then the light golden soy sauce that we add into it. So there's three different types of soy sauce that goes into that. And of course, we use additional ingredients such as the sherry cooking wine, the vinegar to give that uh, a little sour taste to it. And of course, the, the ginger, the white peppers, and of course, the, uh, uh, the ground, um, I'm sorry, skipped, skipped my mind right now, but uh, uh, the, the, the white peppers. Oh, peppers, so, sure. So that's, that's adding up to the base of the sauce. And then, of course, you, we thicken up the sauce with the uh, uh, with the cornstarch. So once you have the chicken all battered and deep fried, set aside, and then we start up the base of the sauce, and then we throw in the chicken and we toss it in to give that thick coat of the sesame uh, chicken sauce to it. And then we sprinkle in the sesame seed on top of that, and it's it, it's it's pretty amazing tasting. Oh, sounds food. good. Well, the fact that you use three soy Three different soy sauces right off the bat is going to be different than my sesame chicken because I only have one kind of soy sauce in my refrigerator, <laughs> not two other ones. I am curious because uh, about the uh, the sherry. You said cooking sherry. Uh, a long time ago, uh, my dad told me never use ingredients that you wouldn't eat by themselves, including sherry. Don't buy cooking sherry because it's got too much salt in it and stuff. A, gla- a bottle of good sherry. So you're going to mm-hmm. put a, a, gla- a jigger or an ounce or whatever it is in your recipe and then have a little shot just to make sure quality control. But then if anybody says, I'd love a little glass of sherry after dinner, you have some good sherry, not the salty cooking sherry. Correct. Correct. Just and, and, you know, when, you know, when, when, when we make our, our sauce, obviously, you know, we serving our dish to the mass. When, when we making our sauce, we make them in a huge five gallon <laughs> bucket size because uh, really you know when we need to crank out the number of meals we need to have the sauce ready ready to go and so when you mention a shot of sherry nope we were putting a whole a gallon of sherry into, <laughs> yeah. our, into our recipe that's all right you're making enough to feed a hundred people a day or a hundred people mm-hmm. at lunch i'm only going to feed three people maybe four yes. And uh, and that, so it's going to be a little less. But that just means I'll have a little sherry left over for the chef. You know, some for yes. the recipe, some for the <laughs> chef. Good to go. That's all there right. is to it. And that's nice. And I don't think that anybody uh, would would take you to task over, especially when they find out about pho, because you've had that broth and those bones on the stove for for at least a day, haven't you? Minimum 24 hours. Yeah, well, yeah that's we, what we, I thought. Cooking, cooking that pot. And, you know, when, when we use the bone, we, we, we use the type of bone that has a lot of marrow in it. And when, when we start cooking this thing, I mean, the amount of marrow and the flavor that comes out into the flavor, it's pretty amazing. Well, and it takes forever to get that flavor out of the bones into your broth. So it sits and it sits and it sits and it gets better mm-hmm. and better. And pretty. you start with whatever, giant pot and end up with a small pot, and it's all boiled down into deliciousness. Yes, yes. And and you, you mentioned the size of the pot. Again, we use a five-gallon size of the pot when we cook this broth, and, <laughs> and, and, it, it, and it does reduce down. All right, well, I'm sure of that. Little at a time, slowly but surely. All right, tease me. Uh, 
because I, I had uh, one of the things that was the most fun for me to eat in Vietnam, besides the pho, which was breathtaking, was a sandwich called a banh mi. And I have yes. never had a banh mi sandwich in America, any place. I haven't had a lot of them, but a couple. I've never had one that tasted as good as the ones I ate in Vietnam. And I suppose part of that is I'm on vacation and I'm walking around in sandals, and that has something to do with it. But the sandwich is different. What is it about a banh mi sandwich that makes yours so much like home? Well, certainly, you know, you can't get this thing out like a Subway or a Quizno. De de definitely not. <laughs> no. Um, no. The amount of ingredients that goes into this uh, banh mi, the sandwich, is unbelievable. And, and, and the price, you know, it's very reasonable. You know, our, our sandwich, the, the cost of the, the sandwich is about five, five bucks per sandwich. And then when a, when a customer looking at this thing, like, wow, look at this thing. The amount of green that goes into for this cost is pretty amazing. But really, we start out with a nice baguette. A nice crunchy baguette, and then when we prepare our uh, by me at the restaurant, we actually toast it first, and maybe uh, before we hand ah, it. Ah, sure. So it's nice toasted piece of baguette to start off with. All right, now, but don't no, don't tease me with the rest because I I was going to ask about your French influence since we know that uh, French uh, cooking and bread baking has a great influence on the food in Vietnam. Clearly, it has an influence on Fom's Rice Bowl in Minneapolis as well. Let me take care of a little business. Try not to slobber all over the place because I know you're going to share this fabulous recipe, the banh mi sandwich, which I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, you've had some good sandwiches before in your life, but when you have an authentic, made by somebody who knows what they're talking about, Vietnamese banh mi sandwich, you will stop thinking pastrami is the best meat you've ever eaten in your life. I'm telling you. All right, we'll be right back. Yeah, I'll bet they don't use a lot of canned ham at Fom's Rice Bowl in uh, Minneapolis. That's the theme. I don't know whether you can hear the theme behind us. It's a it's a song about canned ham and spam and you know some of the uh, other quick foods that in America we just eat because nobody has time. I don't have time to cook. Uh, you're just right, not paying. Right. You're you're doing it wrong if you don't have time to cook. I get it. Right. You don't have time to cook broth for 24 hours, right? Uh, but you, know you definitely have time to make a sandwich. And and you know what? Either fortunate or unfortunately, growing up, you know, with my parents, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. And and I have to admit, uh, when you mentioned spam, you know, uh, growing up, you know, I I we ate spam, and I love spam to to this day. Me and too. We, and and when we started the, uh, the 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 restaurant over into the St. Paul Skyway with the wings and burgers. And one of the uh, burgers that we use, is, you know, we create this Hawaiian burger. So we actually use Spam uh, to create this Hawaiian burger. Awesome. With our, the, uh, the, 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 the Vietnamese coleslaw that tops off of that. That is so good. And those teeny tiny little peppers about the size of your thumbnail. And I just mm -hmm. thought, look at those cute little baby peppers. And I popped one in my <laughs> mouth and Tan elbows. I don't know. I, I went to your uncle's house. And uh, so he elbows his uncle, you know, hey, watch. Mike just put a, <laughs> he just put one of those peppers in his mouth. His head is going to explode any minute now. Wow, yeah. did that get hot right away. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those, uh, and, and, I, and I believe those are the Thai chili pepper, correct? I, maybe. Because, <laughs> you know, if you don't speak Vietnamese and you're sitting at a table with 10 Vietnamese adults 
and three Vietnamese kids who thought I was fun because, I don't know, because I don't speak the language, I have round eyes, I'm funny, <laughs> I'm eating all this food, so I honestly have, I ate so much food that I never heard of and haven't seen since. That's why I got to go back and maybe take some notes because that was yeah. good. And uh, what did uh, Tan, oh, man, he made me promise not to tell everybody what it really is, but is it is it called rabbit jello? Or it's, uh, I believe it's the uh, duck blood pie. Okay. It was made with rabbit blood, but yeah. Okay. Uh, yep. God, that was good. Concept. And Jello, it it was Jello. Yep. And so he brings me, a, you know, some strawberry Jello. This is Vietnamese strawberry Jello, Mike. <laughs> Give this a try. And I did, and I thought, well, it's, it's good. It's not as sweet as American Jello, but it was tasty, <laughs> and I ate a bunch of it. And when it was done, then he told me that's uh, that's that's made with blood, rabbit blood. Really? Yeah. Wow. I probably well, I would have tasted it no matter what. And the duck, the hard-boiled duck eggs. Don't tell anybody what's going on inside that egg. Uh, but no. I've had, I, had, I had the first one, then they told me nobody else at the table wanted it now that they know what it is, so I ate theirs. They were delicious. Good. They were so really you delicious. Were there, you were their amusement for the afternoon. I was, because, because and they would elbow, hey, give this to Hayes. He's going to try it. And I, 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 I can't, in, in all honesty, look at a country full of people who are smiling and eating and say, all the food you eat is horrible. I'm an American, and I'm the only one that knows good food. No, 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 no. I, I didn't go all the way to Vietnam to have a burger. I went all the way to Vietnam. Unless you're making it out of some Vietnamese thing, I did try, and I will admit I still – I did try Vietnamese tofu just so that I could compare it to American tofu, and I discovered that Vietnamese tofu and American tofu both taste terrible. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I did not. I did yeah. not. I have not had tofu yet that I thought was delicious, and right. I want to have it again, even in Vietnam. Right. Although you know, our our tofu, you know, we have a few tofu dishes up in our menu here, and and one of those is our curry tofu. It's pretty phenomenal. Is also. it? And 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 we let you select your spice level. <laughs> oh well, good. I want it. Whatever's the popular, that's what I would go with. Because uh, I'll be up there sometime. We've got friends that live up there, so we'll come up and visit. One of my sons used to live in Minneapolis, so he may have been to the restaurant before and just didn't know it. I don't know. Right. All right, so we're going to make a banh mi. We're going to start with a French baguette that's toasted. Yes. Now, do you do that like in America, slather it with butter and put it under a broiler, or what do you do? No, well, we put it – well, first we, we, toast, uh, we toast the bread, and then we take it out, and then we have the whipped butter that, uh, that we spread on there. And one of the key ingredients in there – one of the key ingredients spread on there is the liver pate. Uh. And, and the pate, you know, either you like it or you don't. And, uh -huh. and, and by having the bind me, the Vietnamese sandwich, you know, you got to have that pate in there. You give that uh, fragrant, fra fra fragrance to the, to the sandwich. And we start out with the liverwurst, and then we actually uh, make our pate in-house. And then at, from there, we add in seasoning, and then we stir-fry with onion, garlic, uh, just, just to bring all that flavor out. And then we use that at one of our spread. Now, one of the few uh, vegetable ingredients that we use in there is the pickled carrots and daikons. So we dice up the carrots and daikons. And for the folks who don't know what daikons is, it's a very... 
mild form of radish. So it's not the spicy red radish that we saw as daikon, it's a white radish. And we pickle that um, and we let it sit and pickle that for about a week before we serve it in our sandwich. Now, our <laughs> speaking of fast food, this ingredient takes a week. Take a week. Yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. that's not yeah. fast food. We just yeah. put it together quickly. That's all. <laughs> right. No, this is not a slab of ham that you just slice it up and throw it in, uh-uh. in, in the sandwich. And the uh, speaking of ham, so one of the main ingredients in there is our barbecue pork. So it's a Chinese barbecue pork. And again, what we do is we marinate this pork for two to three days with the Chinese barbecue flavor, the soy sauce, the hoisin sauce, the oyster sauce, and we let it sit and marinate for three days. And and of course, the red food coloring. I don't know if you had the uh, Chinese barbecue pork, but on the out, on the outer skin, it has this red glaze. Oh, of yeah. Coloring, yep. I didn't so, realize that was Chinese. It was delicious. Yep. But, but we, again, you know, we marinate that pork for about three days, and then we bake it. Uh, until it's nice and tender. And then we slice that pork uh, thinly. And so that's one of the meat that we use. And then secondly, are you familiar with, with jalua? It's a Vietnamese pork loaf. Nope. Uh, so that's another ingredient that goes into this particular sandwiches. And of course, we uh, garnish it out with the jalapeno peppers, the cilantro, and doused with some either fish sauce or soy sauce, depending on what your choice of uh, seasoning that you want to add on there. And that's basically the base of that by me Vietnamese sandwich. And, you know, I, I, I can sit here and describe it to you, <laughs> but you really can't experience it until you come in and order one and and have it in your hand and take that first bite. Oh, I got it. I would agree 100%. In fact, I have tried a couple of times myself to make them at home. And I, you know what a panini maker is, right? Yes. Yeah, I've, yes. I've tried to paniniize the banh mi to see if that would help meld all the ingredients together. And, of course, we live in Wisconsin, so I thought, well, maybe if I add a little cheese to it, I won't <laughs> tell Tom that I made a banh mi and add cheese on it because, uh, you know, I'm in Wisconsin, and if I don't have cheese on my dinner, I, I get in trouble. I think there's a law in Wisconsin. Yep. You've got to have cheese in, in your dinner somehow. You know what? I grew up in Wisconsin, and cheese curds is one of my favorite. Yeah, you know, especially the fresh one when you bite into it, it's still squeaky. But yeah. Mike, you just made a sacrilegious uh, move. I know, I know. Me. Don't tell Tan. God, don't tell your mother when she finds <laughs> no, out. No. I will. That I'll have hell to pay for sure. Uh, but that's the fun thing about I thought about going into a restaurant like yours where nothing on the menu is familiar, and I don't want. I didn't go all the way to Vietnam to have a burger. I, I, and I'm not going into your restaurant where every single thing is, what's that? Uh, I want to, I want some of all of that. Do you, I'm curious, do you, for the people like me who are curious, open-minded eaters, is there a combo platter of some sort where I can have a bite or two of four, three or four different things? Well, we, we don't have a combo platter, but certainly we have an appetizer platter. Ah, where there you, you can order, you can order a la carte. And, and again, uh, you know, when, when you start ordering a la carte, and it basically come come into a platter. And the, the, again, the price is pretty amazing of what we provide for the folks. So you're not going to walk away with a $200 bill. You know, you can order a la carte these various items, come to like $20-some, and you can try a lot of the items on, on the awesome. menu. 
Well, that's right. I bought I bought lunch one day in Vietnam and spent forty thousand dong, and I thought, man, I'm going to be in such trouble. I just spent forty thousand. No, Mike, that's about four bucks. Yeah, you're about okay. Four bucks. Yeah, and yeah. then later later in the week, we were on a uh, on a riverboat cruise, and I bought two bottles of wine for three million dong, and I thought <laughs> we was laughing with everybody at the table. Wait till I get this bill back in America from whoever it was, Visa or somebody. And it says three million anything's. I'm gonna. My family will have a heart attack. You did what? You had two bottles of wine for three million, and they were delicious. It was awesome. Yeah. Everything yeah. Vietnamese. All right. What about a dessert? Well, you know, going back. So one of our item on there, one of item on our menu is the bubble tea. Are you familiar with that at all? I am. Yes. Matthew well, took yeah. me. My son Matthew took me to a a little tiny hole in the wall restaurant he used to live up in uptown yes i don't I, I don't know where that is in relation to your restaurant but we could walk from his house he went to uh, the minneapolis academy of art and design he went to mcad to school and we yes. walked to this this little restaurant he said dad you got to try this bubble tea and the straw big around mm-hmm. is you know your thumb and i thought what are we sucking up you could pull marbles up into this straw what is it oh and you can get all different kind of flavors and he wouldn't tell me any of the ingredients, just you can, and the menu had whatever, pomegranate or straw, you know, a couple of normal American uh, fruits, but most of them were unusual, uh, and and uh, uh, it was absolutely delicious. Share with everybody else what bubble tea is all about. Well, bubble tea is, you know, but when, when this started back in, I believe, in the mid-70s, people thought it was a fat, but it started back <laughs> in, in, in Taiwan. And uh, bubble tea is a uh, how I describe it to our customer when they come up and ask what it is. I describe it as a fruit smoothie, fruit slushy drinks. Uh, that's the simplest that's, way to describe it. Yeah, that's, it. A good, that's a good description. But uh, really, it started out with the base of the uh, black oolong tea that we used to brew. And so we started with that and we add in the milk uh, and then the sweeteners. And then we blend it up with, uh, you, you can make it two ways. One is to call the milk tea version. The other one is more of a slush. So you, um, 95% of our customers, they, they, they select the slushy version where we add in the ice. And then when we blend it up, and then some of our, our flavors that, that we use, one of our most popular flavors is mango. Uh, you know, we sell that off the chart. And some of the more exa- exotic flavor that we also use is the durian. I'm sure you have heard of durian when you travel to Vietnam. Absolutely. Uh, uh, durian, lychee, uh, we have uh, a green chai la- latte that, uh, that, that we also use. And then at the end, after we blend it up, we add in this uh, tapioca pearls. That's those, the round balls <laughs> that, that, that you see on the bottom. And and it's round for round and this sizable. That's hence for the larger straw to suck right, those up. Right. And so you know, a, a funny story. You know, we we have kids that go, that come through the market, uh, six seven years old kids. So their parents would order it for them, and they have no idea what these little round balls in there. So, and I would not tell them until I bring it to the table. Yep. And I would have them suck it, suck a few of those up. Then after they suck it up, I said, "So kids, you know what those are? Fish eyeballs." And their ah. eyes just went up. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so it's a little joke on the kids, but, you know, they, <laughs> they would have a good laugh on it. But uh, the tapioca pearls on the bubble tea, it has no intrinsic value to the drinks, but it just make it more fun when you drink and eat at the same time. Right. Well, when you're, and when you're chewing those tapioca pearls, they really don't taste like, I mean, I thought that's, I thought I was going to bite one 
because I didn't know it was tapioca at first. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, right. this is this is a little flavor ball of some sort. Right. I'm going to bite this ball, and it's going to explode some flavor in my mouth, and it didn't. So then I sucked up two or three, and then four. Now I got a mouthful of tapioca balls before my son finally said, Dad, it's tapioca. They don't taste like anything. <laughs> oh, man, right. you've been watching me do this on purpose. Yeah, and it was pretty funny. <laughs> right. And 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 now, uh, you know, with, with, with the drink, it, it since 1975, so I, I think it's not a fad anymore. So oh, yeah. um, now a lot of the uh, the bubble tea uh, manufacturers, they do come out with those popping pearls. So those popping pearls actually fill with mangoes and Ooh. other flavors. And so you, when you suck it up and you start chewing, it does pop in your mouth into those awesome. flavors. Awesome. All right. So that's what is that an American twist to uh, to traditional bubble tea? No, no, not. not, oh. not, not all right. Not, good. Not, not at all. It's I would so hate to good. turn my back on a Vietnamese <laughs> tradition because the American tapioca bubbles taste better. I just couldn't do that. Right. And then, um, you know, and to add on you, you asked about what uh, what are the, um, the dessert ingredients. So. A few years back, we were at the Minnesota State Fair, and one of our items on there was the cranberry cream cheese wontons, drizzled with chocolate. So that's uh, something new. That's something new that I created. And Joe, we were there for four days, and we did an inventory of of a four day inventory, not realizing after that first day when we first opened up, it ran out in six hours. Wow! Wow! All right, we'll so, share some tips on your cran. What was it? Cranberry cream cheese wonton. Drizzle with chocolate. All right. We'll be right back. Last bit of business, and we'll be back with Trung Pham from Pham's Rice Bowl in Minneapolis. And we'll get specific uh, location from you before 11 o'clock so we can send all of our hungry lacrosse uh, residents up there for lunch. We'll be right back. Eggplant. I don't know. Let me ask Trung, eggplant. How does eggplant fit into your uh, menu at all? Anywhere? It's not. It's no? not just for the fact that I don't like eggplants. Oh. So <laughs> Finally, I've had, uh, you and I are on the same page with tofu, yeah. although I like eggplant, I'll have to tell you. I don't think I ate anything in Vietnam that I didn't really like. You know, there were, I suppose, a few things that I liked better than others, but I never, except for the tofu, I didn't eat anything that I never want to try again. Although, right. I'll go back in uh, in September, I hope. And, uh, and if somebody says, this tofu is way different than that guy's tofu, I would try that just to see if it's different. Oh, and the, uh, what's the fancy coffee? Had, oh, the, uh, uh, what, 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 there's a, the, there's the traditional. Cream and tradition. eggs and stuff in it. Yep, so that's oh. the egg with uh, Vietnamese coffee. Now, our restaurant, we do serve the traditional Vietnamese coffee you? where you mix in the sweetened condensed milk, and yeah. we serve that either hot or ice. Oh, oh, I've never had it cold but i would man oh man that was and watching the uh, watching the young lady make it uh, two cups at a time i thought this is awesome that was really good all right so make me your dessert before we get out of here and then we'll uh we'll schmooze the entire court your restaurant is in a in a giant complex of other stores they're all going to benefit because everybody i send up there is going to be hungry <laughs> absolutely absolutely so really, our dessert that's uh, very popular is the cranberry cream cheese wonton. So we start out with the base of the cream cheese, and then we blend in uh, the, the the dry cranberries, the, uh, the, the the cranberry syrup seasonings, and then the fresh cranberry, we mix it in there. 
And then we uh, fold it into this wonton wrapper as we deep fry. And after we deep fried, we just drizzle with chocolate on top. So it's a very decadent type of, uh, of, of dessert. And uh, it's going on, still available at our restaurant right now. And we reintroduced it this year because the state fair was closed. And so the Midtown Global Market, uh, we had various restaurant vendors inside the Midtown Global. We sort of create our own state fair uh, and That's create great. That, that international theme. And it went, uh, it went pretty well over the state fair time. And uh, it's still a very popular item, still on the menu, and we continue to carry that with us. Interesting that uh, the Midtown Global Market, just by its name, and uh, because you guys are a fusion of Chinese and Vietnamese, are all the restaurants, are all, are, is it all restaurants, first of all, and everybody is from a different country offering something other than, uh, you know, your basic steak and a burger? Absolutely. The Midtown Global Market, it's an indoor public market uh, up in the Twin City. Uh, made up of 50 retail vendors and out, out of that 50 retail vendors there's about 12 restaurants inside the midtown global market we have east african we have moroccan we you, if you want looking for a burger we got burgers you want pizza we got pizza but there's some really great international uh food base there's about three or four great uh, Mexican, great Mexican restaurants in there. Uh, the beauty of this market is that there's no franchise restaurant. It's all uh, family mom and pop restaurant that create their own menu uh, from their family. And we started this thing. It's basically, it's a new business incubator for small business to awesome. start. And it's a pretty, pretty phenomenal place. It, uh, prior to COVID, it has become a destination spot for visitors to come and visit this Midtown Global Market and, uh, and, and it still is, you know, obviously we're being affected by COVID and with social distancing and everything else. But, uh, you know, if you're looking for a great place, a destination to go and eat and do some shopping in the mid in Minneapolis, the Midtown Global Market is the place to go to. All right. Now tell me again where it is in Minneapolis. South side, you said? It's in South Minneapolis. The address is 920 East Lake Street. 920. Well, okay. I've heard of Lake Street before. I probably on the other end of Lake Street, but what the heck, I can, I can drive, I'll find, I'll find it sooner or later. Absolutely, and you cannot miss the building. And I believe the, it was the, used to be the old Sears Roebuck Company store. Oh. And it's, I believe it's still the largest uh, square footage uh, and it deemed a historical building. So it's gonna be there forever. Awesome. And it, square footage Y is the largest square footage in the Twin City, I believe. That's, that's good to hear. So you're happy and healthy and and living the dream in the uh, Midtown Global Market? Absolutely. The last 15 years, I'm living the dream. Certainly, it's uh, we're, we're taking a little, uh, some revenue is taking a little hit with the, this the COVID thing. But you know what? We're, we're one of the lucky ones that's uh, still up and opening and running and serving our customers. You serve, you serve fabulous food and everybody has to eat. My dad used to say that, you know, there's a job you could always have, a cook or a bartender, because no matter what else is going on in the world, everybody needs to eat and everybody needs a cocktail. So if you can do Absolutely. either of those, you'll always have employment. Uh, Trung yes. Pham, thank you so much for talking with us this morning. I will uh, be in touch and hopefully we can do this again maybe in December.